everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Golden Knights, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Happy Monday to all of you, and it is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights, continuing their East Coast road trip after a successful start on Saturday in Pittsburgh, a 3-0 win, a 29-save shutout for Marc-Andre Fleury. The Golden Knights are back to take on the Philadelphia Flyers for the second of a three-game road trip. Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster. Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And if this is the first time you are locked on to this podcast, first of all, welcome. We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Sunday, depending on how things look uh, throughout the week as far as games go. But we are here every week talking news, analysis, game coverage, everything of that sort. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we're more than likely on that form. Uh, but if you are on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to leave us a review, leave us a rating, uh, let us know how we're doing here at this podcast. Uh, we're going in on a few weeks now, and so far, so good. Again, nothing's crashed, nothing's burned. Everything so far seems to be all okie-dory in the land of Locked On Golden Knights. So for those of you who have uh, extended your support already, thank you very much, and we greatly appreciate it, and we hope that if this is your first time, that you'll hit that subscribe button and you'll keep on rolling with us as we move forward with this season. So the Golden Knights once again are on the road tonight in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers, their second of a three-game road trip, uh, which will culminate tomorrow in Chicago. Uh, But tonight is going to be a little bit of an interesting one because everybody should kind of put on their Donsking shoes, dancing shoes. I I don't know how you're going to phrase it, but in any event, it is Oscar Dansk who will be getting the start tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights after Marc-Andre Fleury has started eight of the first nine to begin the season. And with the injury to Malcolm Subban, it will be Oscar Dansk making his first appearance in an NHL game for the first time since two years to the day. That is right. The the very first time we saw Oscar Dansk in a Golden Knights uniform was two years to the day in a home game against the St. Louis Blues where the Golden Knights were starting Malcolm Subban for the injured Marc-Andre Fleury who had sustained a concussion about, about a week or so prior against the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings, if I could talk, that'd be freaking fantastic. Um, but... Malcolm Subban got hurt in the third period midway through, and Oscar Dansk, the, uh, at the time the 23-year-old from Sweden, goes into the game, gives up the tying goal, makes a couple of amazing saves in overtime before about a minute to go. William Carlson scores the first of 43 goals in the inaugural season, and the Golden Knights win 3-2 in overtime with Oscar Dansk. In net, He would go on to appear three more times for Vegas, including pitching the first ever shutout in Golden Knights history, which was a 7-0 blanking on Nevada Day against the Colorado Avalanche, who Vegas will play on Nevada Day on Friday. And then on October 30th, Oscar Dance played one period against the New York Islanders, and we never saw him again because he sustained a lower body injury. And in came Max Legacy, and that was all for that. And I'm sure one of these days we will revisit 
the goalie conundrum from year one just as a uh, revisionist history. But in any event, it will be number 35 in the net tonight for the Golden Knights for the first time in almost two years. Oscar Dansk will get the start against Philadelphia. And the lines are looking pretty much the same as they have for the last few games. It was an optional morning skate, uh, according to those who were in Philadelphia for this one. So lines pretty much going to be the same. Carlson line with Marshall and Smith. Stasny line with Stone and Pacioretty. Eakin line with Peary and Glass. And Nosek line with Carrier and Reeves. Defense pairings are looking like McNabb, Theodore, Merrill Holden and Jake Bischoff will likely get his second consecutive start with Derek Englund, with Danskin Nett, and Marc-Andre Fleury serving as the backup. As for Philadelphia, uh, the big news coming out of there is that Joel Farabee, their first-round pick from last year, will make his NHL debut tonight. It is looking like he will be on the third line, but the Flyers are looking like this. JVR with Giroux and Voracek. Lindblom with Couturier and Konechny, Lawton, Hayes, and Farabee with Raffle, Vorbeev, and Stewart as the fourth line, Hag and Gossespierre, Provorov and Niskanen, and Sandheim and Braun round out the D pairings, and Brian Elliott will be getting the start in goal tonight over Carter Hart. So, kind of wanted to see Carter Hart play tonight. Well, then again, I think it would have been a lot better if it was Carter Hart versus Marc-Andre Fleury, but nevertheless... It is a big day just because of the fact that Oscar Dance will be getting the start tonight. And it does it does appear to be that Marc-Andre Fleury will be saved for the conclusion of the road trip tomorrow, which will be in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. And we will talk about that game a little bit more uh, tomorrow. Um, but obviously, this is a uh, this is a very good day, I think, for those of the Oscar Dansk fan club. Uh I've been clamoring for this for the last maybe year or so. I would like to see Dance get more time. And I think I might have touched on this. I want to say about a couple weeks ago, I may have touched on this. Uh, actually, no, I think it was last week when we had the mailbag. And it was the one of the questions about Dance getting some playing time. And, and, I was, and I've always been in favor of just seeing what Dance can do. I mean, obviously, there is a reason why he's been in the AHL for the greater part of a year and a half now. But I do think that competition for Malcolm Subban was very much needed. Uh, obviously, this is not the situation you'd like to see Dance get into some game action with uh, with Subban still dealing with that lower body injury and possibly continuing to be day-to-day. Who knows if he's even going to be available for the end of the month or at least on Friday when uh, Colorado comes to town. Um but you know this is a uh, this is a good day for those of the Oscar Dansk fan clubs for people who have been wanting to see more of him. Uh, he's done relatively well in Chicago for the last year and a half. He hasn't taken the world over by storm. But again, the three and a half game sample size that, or actually not even three and a half games. We're talking about maybe two full games, uh, half a period, and one whole period. So. I mean, do fractions. I suck at fractions, so we're probably not even going to get the exact amount there. We'll call it two and a half games. Two and a half game sample size for uh, Oscar Dansk, even though he is he is three and zero in his career. Technically, um, it's not a big sample size, and you always want to see what he can do. And tonight on the road in Philadelphia, 
this is going to be his first road game actually since he left uh, in the first period after in the first period against New York a couple of years ago. So it's going to be nice to see him get some action. Obviously, he's gone through the ringer of having to be in the AHL and called up in a moment where he probably doesn't knowing he's probably going to be in back in Chicago sooner rather than later. But who knows, maybe if Dylan Ferguson continues to play well like he did the other night in Chicago, maybe uh, maybe they'll keep Ferguson and Sparks sooner, or maybe they might move on from Sparks. I don't know. That whole situation might be uh, a little bit too convoluted, but uh, very it's going to be very exciting to see Dansk tonight. I think he'll, uh, he'll be up for the challenge. I think he'll be ready to go, and I think he'll play rather well. I mean, it's been a while, so he's probably going to have the have the jitters of being in net for the first time in a while. But I mean, it, it who wouldn't, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure Subban when he got back into the lineup a couple, uh, well, when he made his first start against Arizona, he probably had a little bit of the jitters, knowing it had been the first time since April he had played. But you know, Dansk has always been a consummate professional. He's come to training camp every year. He always. Uh, seems to be in good spirits whenever you talk to him and just knowing that where his development is and where he is as a player, um, it's going to be, it's going to be good to see. And I think it'll be a lot of fun, uh, to see him out there and hopefully get a win because Vegas going for, uh, I believe it'd be four wins in five games if they were to get the win tonight, uh, in Philadelphia and it would be their third consecutive victory, which is, Pretty good considering Edmonton continues to keep pace up top of the division. And, you know, they got a point last night against Winnipeg. And can you really call it a one nothing victory if no one scores in overtime? This is this is a conversation I think we'll need to need to have for another day. Does, Does it really count as a one nothing victory if no goals were scored until a shootout? I'm going to say no. And I think they should rule it like soccer, have it a zero zero tie until and and just say like in the the bottom ticker on NHL network, uh Winnipeg wins two nothing in shootout. I think I think that would be a lot better because you should not count the goal tap the because when you win a shootout, and I had a conversation about we had a slight conversation about this with Justin Emerson after the uh after the Ottawa game. That if you win in a shootout, the goal that pretty much goes to the victors, so Vegas won 3-2, to two, but obviously they didn't score in overtime, so it goes to a shootout, they get the 3-2 victory. That goal goes to their season total, which I don't think makes sense. So I think they should just leave it as kind of what they do in soccer, do like a 2-2 final and then so-and-so wins in penalties, or in this case a shootout. I think we need to change that because... If you go into a game and it's 0-0 heading into a shootout and you win one nothing, that goal should not go anywhere toward your season tally. That's just my opinion. I wanted to kind of touch on, kind of go back to two years ago to the day when Oscar Dance came in for Malcolm Subban against the Blues. And I honestly didn't, I really didn't know about the date until... I looked up uh, on my on this day thing on Facebook, which is becoming a great tool to kind of use as like a historical reference. And I looked at it and I wrote on Facebook, I said, this team, holy shit. And I was trying to figure out what in the world game was this? And I looked it up and it was the blues game. And a lot 
a lot happened in that game. Not, not even just the fact that by this time, Vegas was now three goaltenders deep, about to be four in a matter of a week with Max Legacy. Um, but it, it, I was just thinking about that game, you know, not too long ago. And just how important that game was for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, Vegas won that game and went to six and one uh, on the season. It was a six win in seven games, and they were on. They were in the midst of. Uh, I can't remember. Was that a five game home trip or a six game homestand uh, to start the season? Because they had the two road games at Dallas and at Arizona, and then the home opener against Arizona. And then later that week uh, was the game against Detroit, and that's when Flurry got concussed. Malcolm Subban had to come in and kind of right the ship for a little bit. And then Dance came in, and then Legacy, and all that happened. But I was, I think it was, they were in the midst of a five game homestand or a six game homestand because they did win eight of their first nine before the New York game, before they went on the East Coast trip for the very first time. So. A lot was happening in that stretch, and I and I think one of these days I'm gonna kind of break down that entire stretch just because of how insane it was that in, that uh, instance where they won eight of their first nine. But that game in particular against St. Louis, a lot happened, and I was watching the highlights of that game not too long ago as I was uh, as as I was uh, eating, eating breakfast. I know it's a a pretty late morning for those who eat breakfast at almost ten o'clock in the morning. Who in the world does that? But I was watching the highlights, and a a couple of things came to mind instantly. Number one, Malcolm Subban, pre-VGK pads and pre-VGK helmet. So Subban, basically, let let me kind of take you a little bit back here. So Subban was named the backup about a few days prior to the regular season starting. Now keep in mind... When the Golden Knights claimed Malcolm Subban off of waivers from Boston, he wasn't even projected to be on the roster. But there was the chance Vegas was going to carry three goaltenders because if you remember, the backup at the time to Marc-Andre Fleury was Calvin Pickard, who they picked up in the expansion draft from Colorado. So Subban probably didn't even think he was going to be on the NHL roster but then they trade Picker. I believe they traded Picker to Toronto, the about a few days before the season opener against Dallas, and then all of a sudden Malcolm Subban is the backup goaltender, and Subban gets his first. Uh, he he obviously won his first start against Boston, but I was watching just the Blues highlights back, and he's got the white helmet. He's got, I think I can't remember. I should have looked at the pads a little bit more clearly, but I think they were they were kind of like the yellow pads from when he was in Providence. And it just looks so different. Obviously, Subban is greatly upgraded with the mask and the pads as of late. And, you know, he looks like a beast when he gets out there and it looks awesome. But you just I totally forgot just how bland it looked. And I and I remember talking to him a little bit after one of his first few starts and it was, it was just this whole mindset of like he hated the he hated the helmet he hated the pads and he had to wait a while before he could actually get some real noticeable gear and i think i remember just him being so elated with the first game he played with the new helmet and the new pads and 
he finally was able to dust off all the old Providence stuff. It was just crazy to look at that and see how far we've come since then. And then you kind of look at Dansk when he came into the third period. It was kind of the same situation. There was uh, there was the white. I think there was a white helmet. I don't think he had his own helmet. Uh, and then the pads were just traditional pads. Like obviously these guys have gotten you know their own equipment now, but it's just crazy to think because I mean obviously I don't think those guys imagine getting into a Golden Knights game that early into the season. But I was just like, oh my god, the equipment is absurd. The other thing I was thinking about when I was watching the highlights, the lines for these games in the early beginning were ridiculous. And I I don't say ridiculous as in, oh my god, if you compare them night and day to what they are now or what they were eventually in year one, it was just ridiculous. I think it was... William Carlson with Alex Tuck and I want to say Riley Smith was on a was on a line. And then I think Marcia So was with Perron and I wanna say Neil on on so that was your top six before the top line was ever even formed. And then this and then the defense pairings were uh, at least I remember one of them was Colin Miller and Brad Hunt. You try, you try putting that defense pairing together. Oh my God, Colin Miller and Brad Hunt were on a defense pairing, and Colin Miller scored a goal in that game. Uh, so that 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 was a thing that I really didn't expect. Another thing that happened in that game is that Brendan Leipzig almost scored the winning goal in overtime. He had a breakaway from blue line to blue line, and Jake Allen made the save. But here's. You guys know what playing what if is like one of my favorite things to do when it comes to the Golden Knights. Here's another what if for you. What if Brendan Leipzig scores the winning goal in that night? What if William Carlson does not score in that Blues game? What if he does not score off an assist from Riley Smith? The top line is never formed. Carlson doesn't score 43 goals. The... the, uh, you know, Jonathan Marshall doesn't get his contract extension. All this other BS you could probably throw out the window. Pro- that probably does not happen, but it makes you think like, because that was obviously the game where William Carlson as the the budding superstar for the Golden Knights was born. That was That was the time, that was the day of which it happened. And just to think, what if he doesn't score? What if Brendan Leipzig, who had so many chances to score a goal in like the first 15 games, and I don't think he scored his first goal until, I want to say it was either December or January when they were in LA. And when Leipzig scored that goal, I just remember all of Twitter exploded. And just everybody was so ecstatic that the kid who could never score eventually scored and it was fantastic a shame that he got traded to vancouver for golden knights legend philip holm who i believe is i can't remember if he's even in the league or not anymore but that game in particular i mean vegas getting off to that eight or winning eight of their first nine was obviously uh the big storyline there but that game in particular even when you factor all the other games that Vegas played in that homestand, I mean, there was the Boston game where Subban got the win, 
And that was obviously highlighted by the first goal for Alex Tuck, the first goal for Vadim Shipashev, by the way. Oh my God, that was that was another thing that happened was Vadim Shipashev scored his first goal against Boston. That was fun. Uh, the next game, I believe, was the Buffalo game where Malcolm Subban almost blew it. He played really well for two and a half periods, and then Buffalo, I think, scored three goals in the final eight minutes of regulation before Vegas won in overtime. And then the uh, that would end up being the St. Louis game, the very next one, where Subban plays, he gets hurt, and then really the birth of the top line, it, the, the top line was born that game because the very next game was the debut of Carlson centering with Smith and Marshall. And it makes you just, it makes you think like how far we have come two years to the day. I mean, obviously we didn't think that the Golden Knights would like make the Stanley Cup. We didn't think that the Golden Knights would, you know, be in a, be a playoff team for two consecutive years to start their uh, origin nor did we think that they would end up getting freaking Max Pacioretty, Paul Stasny, Mark Stone, and all these guys. But it's crazy when you just look back on how far we've come watching this team. And just two years ago, Vegas won its sixth game in six out of seven, and just everything was born basically on this day. It's insane to think about. It doesn't feel like it's been two years. It feels like it's been about five. And I remember before the season started, I was asking a lot of the Golden Knights players, and I asked Gerard Gallant too, you know, off to the side. I was like, does it feel like year three? And a lot of them said, no, it feels like about five. I think Nate Schmidt told me it feels like about 10. I mean, it's crazy to think what has happened in the last two years. Another thing about that game, and I think, when I started looking at highlights over the course of uh, over the course of the first eight games and out of nine, the fan discrepancy in that game, I think it was 70-30 at the time. Nowadays it would be 90-10 Vegas, maybe 95-5, maybe 98-2. But there were a lot of blues fans there that night, and it made me remember just just how many uh, just how many visiting fans used to come to the arena. So many road fans used to come to the arena for those first games. I remember the Chicago game, which I think was Dance's first start, which was the following game after the Blues game. Um, his first start was against Chicago, I believe. And that was really the first game outside of the Detroit game where you saw the entire visiting fan base just completely overtake it. But by about the second or third period when Vegas was about to win, they just completely um, they just completely took over as far as the crowd reaction and the crowd noise. So many blues fans in that game. It was crazy. And then you just remember like as the season went on, just the visiting fans were just getting drowned out. The Golden Knights fans took over every single game, no matter what team came to the arena, even if it was the first-year team. Just how far we've gone in the last two years. Just watching this team, just everything developing, just everything that's changed. And I, and I know I've said it before, winning changes everything, but it's those little details. It's those little details when you look at it and you go, 
man, what in the world happened? It's like everything just went like that. Everything just changed at the, at the drop of a dime. But again, it's only been two years. It, it literally has felt like five, maybe ten. But it's been two years. It's been two years since Oscar Dansk made his first appearance. It's been two years since the Carlson line was born. It's been two years since the Golden Knights defeated a really good St. Louis Blues team and started to establish themselves early on at least as a legit threat in the Western Conference. Now, obviously, that wouldn't really come to fruition until maybe around January or February, but the seeds were being planted, and it's crazy to think that it all started on this day two years ago. So tonight, it will be the Golden Knights and the Flyers. Golden Knights at 6-3-0 and three and zero looking to win their third straight game. They will be... In Chicago tomorrow to finish off this three-game road trip against the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that they've never lost to. So Marc-Andre Fleury should be in net uh, for that game with Dance getting the start tonight. And then coming back home, Vegas will be uh, going against Colorado on Friday and then the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday. So again, Golden Knights going for their third straight win, their fourth of the last five and they've got to really, uh, actually, because now I need to do math here. Hold on. One, two. So third straight win, this would be actually, they're going for their fifth win in six games. Because I totally forgot that the Ottawa game even existed. Because I'm pretty sure the Golden Knights would like to forget that the Ottawa game even existed, considering how that one went. And Anders Nielsen, the brick wall, happened apparently in that game. You tend to forget that he uh, he made 52 saves, if you didn't know. Uh, so actually, the, so retract everything I said earlier. Golden Knights are going for their fifth win in six games tonight in Philadelphia, going for their third straight win. And they will try to do so against a Flyers team that, even though the results are usually up and down with them, they're still a dangerous team, especially up, especially up at the top with uh, Giroux and Couturier. And what have you. But uh, Joel Farabee making his uh, his NHL debut is going to be very exciting. And it should be a lot of fun to watch this game. And the all-anticipated goalie matchup between Oscar Dansk and Brian Elliott. Get your popcorn ready, folks. This is going to be a barn burner. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us to, for us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to discuss the this game, and then we will discuss the Chicago game up front, and we will probably go all 25, 30 minutes talking about Oscar Dansk and whether he won or he lost. Uh, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the, uh, the non-Dansk apologists will have a field day if he does not win this game. Next. No, I don't want to put, I don't want to cast cast that much aspersion on those on that crowd. But for 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 the sake of this, let's just hope that Oscar Dansk wins because narratives are fun and they last forever. So with that being said, thank you all for listening to today's episode of Locked On Golden Knights. Again, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. And please feel free to uh, leave us a review and leave us a rating on the podcast if you're on Apple Podcasts. Also, I totally forgot, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And you can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening to today. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we'll see you tomorrow with another jam-packed episode with Flyers and Blackhawks talking all the same. Have a good one, guys. We will see you tomorrow.